0: This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Richard Falcon, trainer for the Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention Program, will be addressing what teens need to know about suicide. This isn't just for teens. School administrators, teachers, and parents will be interested in what Richard has to share. Richard is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on air host, Ken Billinger.
1: Right now, I'd like to introduce Richard Falcon, who is a a trainer for the Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention. He has trained schools, communities, and teens on suicide prevention, and Richard has worked in mental health for 15 years. He's currently the supervisor for the Compass Behavioral Health for the Children's Department, where he oversees the Outpatient Treatment, Therapeutic Education Center, and Preschool Mental Health. Richard has special training in suicide prevention, trauma. Uh, informed care and therapeutic crisis intervention. He's a member of Our Lady of Guadalupe Cathedral in Dodge City, and we are happy to have Richard joining us this afternoon. Richard, we had a little chance to talk before you got on the air, and yes. I know this is going to be some great, much-needed information, so thank you for being here with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, we're going to just jump right in, because when the community hears about a teenage suicide, people seem to be shocked and will often say they appeared happy, and that was one um, one of the things that seems like a common theme. How can suicide happen and, and none of the victim's friends or family suspect anything?
2: Yeah, a lot. Um, a lot of the reasons is because teens do not talk to adults about their depression or suicide thoughts, and I think this is one of the problems that we have is we're not open to talk about suicide. So one of, the, one of the most heartbreaking things that I see is when I hear a parent that comes to me and they say, you know, I had no idea that my kid was even struggling um, with suicide or depression. And, and the reason is is because they don't come talk to you. They are most likely going to talk to their friends about suicide. The statistic says that 93% of teens will talk to their friends about their suicide thoughts before they'll talk to an adult. Mm. So this is the issue. We need to get uh, teens talking not only to uh, their friends, but to adults about the problems that they're having with depression and suicide.
1: Well, we know the numbers are increasing. And can you tell us why that's happening? It's an awful scary thought, but those numbers are certainly going up. Yes,
2: they are. So to give you an idea of the statistics, it is said that one in five teens in the U.S. is seriously considering suicide. If you think about that statistic, it is saying that if you have a classroom of 20 kids there are four kids in there that are seriously thinking about taking their lives when i go talk to schools i'm i'm seeing this i'm seeing a lot of kids are struggling and a lot of people don't realize that the kids are struggling the other thing uh, about the statistics is kansas has its suicide is the second leading cause of death in kansas but it's also the second leading cause of death in the united states so, and the one thing that we struggle, and, I, and I'll keep saying this, is 90% of depression and suicide is treatable, 90%. But yet our nation has one of the largest numbers of suicide. There is an alarming uh, statistic that just came out in 2015. So there was a study done about teenage suicides, and it was looking at the ages of 13 to 18. And the study was done between the years of 2010 to 2015. And what the study came out was between those ages, between 13 and 18, in the last five years, suicide has risen by 31% Mm. in the nation. This is the highest number uh, rise that we have seen in suicides. So it's really um, concerning the experts uh, that deal with this matter. The other thing was in Kansas. uh, Kansas, the CDC reported that between those five years, it rose 34%. So we are above the national average uh, when it comes to uh, middle schools and high school kids dying by suicide. So it is something that we're really looking into and trying to offset that problem.
1: Well, this is certainly an incredible topic that we, we definitely want to address, and we're so glad you're here to talk about it. Now, is there a certain group of teens that may be more at risk for suicide, who they might be or why there
2: really with. isn't one of the biggest struggles I think communities have is when it's a really popular kid, and we see this quite a bit. Where you know the kid is very popular, uh, they're doing well in sports, they have a lot of friends, and then one day um, they died by suicide. Uh, it really goes across all all genders, all. All nationalities um, there really is no certain thing I, and I think what the people need to understand is it's about depression it's not really about your status so it can affect even the most popular kid to the kid that is flunking school so yeah it, it, it can affect everybody
1: well, the interesting thing uh, you talked about, and in fact, I know you shared a story with us uh, before we went on the air. Um, and I definitely want, obviously, stories are important because people can really truly relate to that. Uh, you shared a story, and maybe, maybe we're not at the point you want to do that, but I do want to make sure that people understand, you know, how, let's kind of jump to the next question, which how friends can really recognize if their friend is having suicidal thoughts or if they are depressed. I know you talked about that. They tend to talk to their friends, but right. not so much the parents. Yeah,
2: one of the things that—so um, I belong to Yellow Ribbon International, and Yellow Ribbon was the first uh, suicide prevention program that started to train teens in suicide prevention. This is where I think the the missing link is, because the problem is, is that most teens will go to their friends of their suicide thoughts. If teens are not trained on uh, recognizing the signs of suicide, not alone helping their friends— I think that causes a problem that teens do not know what to do in helping their friends with suicide. So I think it's really important that not only do we train the teachers in schools, but we also have to train the teens in schools because the majority of the time, teachers are not getting that information. It's the teens that are going to be getting that information. So it's important that the teens understand the signs and what they can do to help their friends that are struggling with depression and suicide.
1: And just, uh, I want to make sure we, did you, when I addressed the question about friends recognizing other friends having suicidal thoughts, did we, did we get that? Well, I wanted
2: to go into like the warning signs that people need to be aware of. So when I do the training, I I give the teens ideas of what they should look for. One of the biggest warning signs that parents and teens can see in somebody struggling with depression and suicide thoughts is you will start to see a change in behavior. So What that means is they will go from things that they used to like to do all the time to where they don't like to do them uh, at all. They used to like hanging around with their friends and now they're not hanging around with their friends at all. Um, That's kind of one of the first warning signs that we see when people are starting to develop depression. And people will develop depression for a lot of different reasons. The other thing is, and we'll talk more about the serotonin, but serotonin affects both teens and adults' sleep patterns and their appetite. So people that have depression... The teens will not sleep well, or they sleep all the time. And it also affects their eating. So they'll either not eat at all, or they'll eat all the time. So that's Mm. other signs that you can uh, notice. It gets to be really serious, and this is when they really need help, is when they start giving away prized possessions. When they start talking about dying, suicide, or making threats to suicide. Those are, um, when they start giving verbal clues of their intentions, that's when we really need to uh, get those kids help. Other signs is drug and alcohol use. When they start using more drugs and alcohol, that is a big sign for depression and suicide. And the one thing that people need to understand about drugs and alcohol, and there's a there's a study that says that 50% of teens that come into the mental health or that come in for suicide or attempts, 50% of them are under the influence of drugs and alcohol. 70 who have a uh, 70% have attempted were under that influence. The reason is, is because alcohol and weed is a depressant. That's the type of drug that it is. So if you have depression and you take a depressant, you're gonna get more and more depressed uh, to the point where you become suicidal. So it's very dangerous when people struggle with depression that they start to use drugs and alcohol. And that should be a big warning sign uh, that they're struggling with suicide.
1: How should friends intervene? I mean, what's the best approach there for somebody who says, oh, I've got a friend. You mentioned earlier, I guess I'll, I'll back up a minute. You said when you talk about this to kids, other kids recognize that, mm. yes, I have a friend that's dealing with this. How is the best way to approach that?
2: Yeah, I think the best thing that if you if you have a friend that is struggling with depression and suicide is talk to them about getting help and then be there for them when they get the help. Be that supportive friend that will help them. I um, I have a story about When I was in one of the high schools, because when we do the yellow ribbon training, it actually uh, teaches the kids the signs to look out for, not only for themselves, but for others. But I had, after the class, these two girls noticed that their friend was struggling with everything I had said, you know, and and they knew that her friend had actually made two attempts. So she uh, tried to kill herself twice. And so these two girls came up to me, uh, three girls, I'm sorry, came up to me, and the two friends come up and they say, She needs to talk to you. And they leave her, which I just thought, you need better friends because uh, they left her there alone with me. And so, so she starts crying and crying. And she tells me, everything you said in this training is true. I have this and I know I have depression. And so I asked her, I said, well, have you ever tried suicide? And she said, yes, I tried twice. And I said, so what's going on? And she said, well, it all started when my grandmother died two years ago. And this is what people need to understand about depression. Sometimes it's it's what we would think is a small thing becomes a major thing that just keeps adding more and more uh, to their lives. So her grandmother died two years ago, and she had been struggling with that ever since. Uh, more things have happened in her life to the point where she was uh, extremely depressed and then eventually became suicidal. We were able to get her into treatment And she's doing fine now. Now, one of the things I did notice is when she said, you know, I want to come in, um, but she was afraid that her parents wouldn't be okay with it. And that is a big obstacle that we have is parents don't want to admit that there is a problem Mm. or deal with that problem. But once we got the parents on board to come in and help her, we were able to teach her skills of how to deal with that depression. and, And she's doing fine now would scare me because if she didn't come up and if that training didn't happen, mm. uh, it might be another teen that we lost to suicide. Sure. So yeah, it's really important that people get help uh, when they're struggling with depression and suicide, whether that be a, a local therapist, your local mental health, but uh, getting help. Again, it's 90% preventable. Um, but the problem is, is people do not come in to get help for their depression or suicide um,
1: issues. And it's not there's nothing to be ashamed of with mental health. Um I think sometimes that that there's that idea that mental health is oh my gosh, I can't admit that I've got some mental right. health issues. Yeah,
2: there's a big stigma. I was uh, talking earlier that to kind of give you an idea of the stigma, people do not realize that you know the the states that have the lowest number of suicides in the country is the first one is Washington DC, then it goes New Jersey, New York and California have the lowest numbers of suicides in the nation. The highest numbers of suicide in the nation is Alaska, Montana, Wyoming, and, and I know Colorado is fifth, and Kansas is 19th in the nation as far as where we sit with suicides. Now, what, um, what a person once told me that was part of the Yellow Ribbon family, she said the reason why this is, and she, she's been a therapist in both Kansas City, California, and New York. She said in California and New York, Everybody in uh, New York has a therapist. That's just what you do. If you if you live in New York, you're going to have a doctor, a dentist, and a therapist. And it's not it's pretty common for everybody to seek therapy on the East and West Coast. But in some for some reason in the in the middle states, uh, it's very taboo. Nobody has a therapist, and nobody wants to talk about therapy. And she feels like this is the reason why the stigma is causing such an alarming rate of suicides in in our part of the country. is because we don't go seek help. Therapists, um, you know, one thing I always tell the schools is every kid should learn skills of how to deal with life. And that's what uh, mental health does is it teaches them resilient skills of how to deal with life. Every kid should learn coping skills, um, regardless if they need it or not. So for me, therapy is just something everybody should do because at some point in your life, things are going to get tough. And you're going to have to uh, know how to deal with them and have the skills to deal with them. And I think a lot of our kids in the Midwest do not know how to deal mm-hmm. with it.
1: It's really no different than saying I've got a doctor's appointment or I've got a dentist's appointment. Um, you know, there's there's our physical health and there's our mental health. and there's, yeah. uh, So there's no shame in the fact that right. we seek mental health.
2: Yeah, and there's a big... There's a big correlation between mental and physical health, which is another topic about the adversary childhood experiences. But if you have bad mental health, it's going to cause your physical health to be bad and vice versa. If you have bad physical health, it's going to affect your mental health. And we know that now that both of those, um, for you to be a healthy person, have to be be looked at. um. Yeah. And monitored.
1: So when someone commits suicide or attempts suicide, what's happening that this action really isn't the person's true self?
2: Right. So what we know is the reason why uh, depression happens is because, and and I explain this to the kids and the adults when I do the training, there's a chemical in the brain called serotonin. Now, the way that serotonin works, and serotonin is what makes people happy. So, But serotonin also affects a lot of different areas in the body, not just your happiness. But what happens with serotonin is if you have a full cord of serotonin in your brain and it's working like it's supposed to be doing, you're a happy person. People that are happier because of how the serotonin is working. Now what happens is, and this is normal, every brain does this, if something traumatic happens to you, let's say I always use the analogy of my grandmother dies because I lost both my grandmothers and It was very sad. So when my grandmother died, my brain processed that information. My serotonin went from a full quart to three-fourths of a quart, and I start crying. The reason why I cry is because my serotonin levels came down. And what's supposed to happen in the brain is your serotonin levels come back up to a full quart, and then you stop crying. Uh, The problem is, is every brain's different. So if my grandmother died, I might cry for two days. If your grandmother died, you might cry for four days. And all that means is serotonin took longer Uh, in your brain to bring it back up to where you're happy. Now, what causes depression is this, is not always a serotonin at a full court. So if you had a serotonin at three-fourths of a court and something traumatic happens and it burns down to a half, well, your brain's gonna try to regulate it back up to a full court and it can't. So it brings it back up and then it comes back down to a half. It brings it back up and it comes back down to a half. This is what we call depression. Because depression is caused by the serotonin's not doing what it's supposed to be doing for whatever reason. Now, if your serotonin burns all the way down to where it's to a quarter or nothing, this is when you start having thoughts of suicide because all the serotonin happiness is out of your brain and the pain is so severe that the only way that people know how to deal with that pain is to end their life because they don't know any other way to deal with the the pain of, of the serotonin being gone. Now, we know in the mental health, there's two ways that we raise serotonin levels up. One is through antidepressants. Antidepressants does nothing more than raise serotonin levels in the brain. They're inhibitors, so they make the serotonin work better in your brain. The problem with antidepressants is this, is serotonin doesn't only affect your happiness. It affects your sleep. It affects your eating disorders. It affects your concentration. It affects a lot of the different things in your brain. And these are the side effects that we get from serotonin. So What works for me is not gonna work for you depending on how the side effects are being affected. The other way that we raise serotonin levels in the brain is through therapy. And therapy teaches you ways to keep the serotonin levels high in your brain. Therapy, I would say, is harder to do because in therapy we're literally rewiring your brain to be happy. And sometimes that means changing a lot of what's happening in your life. The antidepressants actually is a chemical way of bringing them up anyways. Usually when we do both those together, we're very successful. There's a lot of different therapies out there and a lot of schools that are looking into the different therapies and incorporating in their schools because it also will help with mood regulations and a lot of the problems that schools have with behaviors. One of the big, biggest one is mindfulness. Mindfulness is um, from the dialectical behavior therapy and it is helping a lot of kids and adults deal with uh, depression, suicide, and dialectical behavior therapy also helps with self-harming behaviors, which we don't talk a lot about. And these are the kids that are cutting themselves. Mm -hmm. It will actually teach them uh, skills to regulate that to help to help them process. So yeah, they don't know that their serotonin levels are coming down. If you take the girl that lost her grandmother, that's a classic case of serotonin levels came down and they keep going down more and more. To where it caused her to be depressed and then eventually suicidal. And the problem is, is most people don't even know they're getting depressed because of that.
1: And so this this next question, Richard, is a biggie, social media and how that oh, has affected teenage suicide. Yeah, I was,
2: I was really hoping we'd get to this. So when, when the study happened between 2010 and 2015, and we showed that the kids between 13 and 18 were dying by suicide by 31 percent. Uh, the University of San Diego started to look into this. And the reason was is because we have seen a rise, not only in Kansas, but across the United States, in uh, teenage suicide, both middle school and high schoolers. So they did this study, and they were looking at why are teens dying by suicide? They looked at the uh, family life. They looked at schools, schoolwork, a lot of the different things that were happening in teenagers' lives. And what they found out was the number one reason why teens were dying by suicide with social media. Mm-hmm. So in this study, um, and the reason why they, they looked at this study because they figured out that in, um, in 2012 was when we seen a spike in suicides across the nation, especially in teens in 2012. And so this study was really done in, in just between 2010 and 2015. But they also looked at uh, the smartphones. In 2000, it was estimated that only 10% of teens had access to smartphones. In 2012, when they seen the rise in suicide, 50% of teens had access to smartphones. At the end of the study in 2015, it was estimated that 90% of teens had access to smartphones. When I talk to the kids in school, the majority of them, I might find one or two kids that don't have a smartphone. So they have all access to smartphones. In this study, what was alarming was this. They said that if a teen was on social media for four or more hours, they were most likely going to die by suicide and develop depression, four or more hours a day. If the teen was on social media for an hour or less, they were most likely not even going to develop depression. So they started looking really hard at these statistics. And there was five more studies done after this one that proved the same point. The more that they're on social media, the higher the risk of depression and suicide. So they looked more into why is this happening. And what they found out is social media is so so negative all the time that these teens are getting hit with negative information all the time that it is literally rewiring their brains to be depressed. Mm. And so there was also another study done that said if teens that had depression would stay off social media for a week, it showed improvements in their depression just from being off social media for a week. So more studies came out. They were looking at what apps are causing the problems. And the number one app that is not only causing problems with depression, it is also being blamed for a lot of the suicides that we're seeing in our our teenagers. Uh, The number one app is Snapchat. When I talk to the kids, they will tell me, I'll ask them the question, what do you think is the number one app causing the problems? And they all say Snapchat. Snapchat is the number one app that not only is causing problems with depression, but suicide. Number two was Instagram. So if parents, I think, know that this is the problem and why we're seeing the rise, this is why um, we're seeing more and more teen suicides. We have other doctors that are looking into it. One of the doctors um, stated, you know, we've totally changed the way we live as a family because of social media. And what he said was the things that you need to not be depressed is, number one, is you need to socialize with other people. Teens do not do that because of social media. The second thing is you need to be outside. Sunlight gives you serotonin because of the sun rays creating vitamin D. And we have a thing where it's called seasonal depression. In the wintertime, most people are more depressed than they are in the summertime because they're outside more in the summertime. The third thing that they're looking at is sleep. Teenagers are not sleeping well at all. And the reason is, is because they're on their smartphones all night. When I talked to the teenagers, they told me they would answer a text at three in the morning if somebody texts them. So they're not sleeping well. So all of these things that are contributing to depression, this is the way we're living nowadays. We don't go outside. We don't talk to people. We don't stay active. There's another doctor who said this, and I don't, I don't know if he was being serious or, or not, but he made the, he made the um, statement that if people would exercise 30 minutes a day vigorously for 30 minutes a day, it's as equivalent as taking a, an, an antidepressant just from exercising 30 minutes a day. And he was saying the problem, too, is we don't exercise anymore. You know, most people don't go outside more than 15 minutes because everything is based indoors. So there's a lot of studies that are going on about what's causing our uh, teens to struggle, but it's all coming back to social media. They need to realize that that is the problem, and is causing a lot of the problems. I think one of the things that um, I looked at too is, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I might have been bullied at school from eight to three, and then I went home and I wasn't bullied anymore. But these kids can actually be bullied twenty-four-seven hours a day. I mean. They can get hit on social media all day. And what I notice about a lot of the teens is they don't even know how to shut it off. They don't know how to block the bullies. They don't know how to turn their phones off. They'll just keep taking it over and over, and it's causing major effects in their depression. So that is a big study that came out. A lot of doctors are looking into it, and it's causing a lot of problems.
1: That's um, yeah. That's we hear that we hear talked of, and I, I want to jump back is because I know you talked a little bit about this, but I'm going to jump back as we talked about it pretty much early on in the show. But kids that seem happy but commit suicide, are there signs there? I don't know if we really talked they, about that, but but that kids that really seem happy and upbeat, mm-hmm. and and it, it's it's almost a. I guess it sounds like, how's that possible?
2: Right. You know? that, and that, that happens quite a bit. And we're seeing this in a lot of, the, uh, in a lot of our communities. And keep in mind that 80, 85% of the teens will give signs that they're struggling with suicide. So, you know, there's that other percentage that do not. But a lot of what we see is when we have a, a kid that is very popular, well in sports, it looks like they have everything going for them. We do not really look for the signs of depression. And it, so it goes, it goes hidden from everybody until something happens. In one of the videos of Yellow Ribbon, Dale and Dar talk about a kid that um, after they did their um, presentation, this kid that came to him, he was a good-looking kid. He looked like he had everything going for him. And this kid was actually voted valedictorian of a school. So he was the most popular kid. Uh, he was a straight-A student. Everybody liked him and he had actually came up to them and said he, had, he, he was going to kill himself. And yeah. he, he came to see what they wanted to you know what they had to say. And after the training, when he understood you know what the problem was, he is now a very successful lawyer. But even the most popular bright kids can struggle with depression and, and I think that's what really affects communities is we don't really look out for those kids because we assume that they have everything together. One of the things we need to do is we need to start talking to our kids. Um, we need to start talking to our kids about suicide. We need to have that open conversation. Again, the problem is is the stigma in this area. We don't talk about it. We're hoping that it's not happening to our kids, and we're hoping that it goes away. The other thing that I will say is if your kid is struggling with depression, it is not going to go away. It is not going to go away by itself. It will probably actually get worse. It's really important that teens and parents understand that um, you have to treat it. You know, I, uh, earlier I kind of talked about when somebody has cancer and I look at it the same way. If you notice you have cancer, the first thing you do is go get treatment for it to stop the cancer. Depression is no different. If you have depression, you need to go get treatment to stop the depression. If you don't, it will get worse and you will die. Uh, we need to start treating mental health like we do our physical health because they're both related. But, yeah, the sooner you can help with the problem, you know the better the better results you're going to you're going to get.
0: We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, please know. We'll be right back with more from the trainer of Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention program, Richard Falcon. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation
3: creation.
0: with Richard Falcon, trainer for Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention Program. Ken Billinger is conducting the interview. Uh,
1: this is a topic that's so very important that Richard Falcon is here with uh, Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention, and we're going to continue. Uh, let's let's shift gears a little bit to schools and how how should the uh, the school handle it when a student dies a suicidal death? What's the best way to? Yeah, in um,
2: and I've I've seen a lot of schools that really struggle with this, um, especially small town schools. There was a uh, school that. The teachers called me. They had had a a suicide. And the administration quickly went to, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to say it happened. And if anybody talks about it, they're in trouble. And that's probably the worst thing that you can do. Because the problem with with a suicide, when a suicide happens in a community, is it affects that whole community. And it affects everybody's depression in that whole community. And I, I think that's what people need to understand. Not only is it going to affect everybody that the kid knew which is understandable, but it also affects kids that are struggling with themselves with depression and suicide. And keep in mind, you have a large majority of kids in your school, 20% of your kids in school are struggling with this already that you don't know about it. So when there's a death, they're struggling with their depression and their suicide, and it's going to make them even more depressed. And the other issue is you, you're you going to have uh, people who know somebody who has died by suicide, and it's going to affect them because it brings back those feelings of a family member or a friend that has died by suicide. So it's really, uh, it's really important that schools start talking to their kids about suicide and about the depression. You need to have that open channel uh, to talk about it. The problem with depression and suicide is when people get depressed, they go home, they don't talk to anybody, and it becomes more and more of an issue to where they start attempting. The best thing that can help them is when they're able to communicate about their depression and suicide to get the help they need. So the first thing is, if a a suicide happens in your school, is make sure that the kids and the counselors and the teachers are all talking to make sure that everybody's okay. Make sure that they're doing well with their depression and their suicide and keep that uh, channel open. I know there's big controversy about should you do something for the kid? What we did in Dodge City is we did a balloon release for all kids and that way it doesn't like single out a certain person and so we will do a balloon release and the balloon release is very therapeutic it's kind of the you know releasing prayers to heaven type thing and that's one way that you can organize an event to help with suicides and that are happening in your community but the big thing is don't hush it up Uh, get people talking and if people are really struggling get them the help they need when people talk about the copycat effect it's really not a copycat effect it's it's because there's a lot of kids that are struggling with their own depression and it gets worse because somebody has died by suicide and so then they start attempting suicide um it's all about the depression and getting help for the depression so yeah that's a lot of the different things there is also um, the kansas has a after suicide packet that schools can get that can be sent to them about what you know how you talk to the media about suicide um, how do you talk to your parents and so on and so forth that gives you a step-by-step of how how to, how to deal with it
1: well i think one of the things you talked about here and, and maybe just a moment ago you talk about copycat maybe that's what this refers to is is there such a thing as teenage suicidal ideation
2: there is an ideation um,
1: what is i'm not i'm not familiar with that, so, so
2: it's when uh it's when the thought of suicide is is in a person's head Um, again i think what the focus needs to be is anybody that's struggling with suicide you know the best thing that you can do is get them the help that they need whether it be your local therapist or the mental health because if they have problems with suicide i mean it's 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 going to get worse Um, there's a such thing called a a suicide continuum Uh, this was actually created by a doctor in Maryland, uh, I do know his name, it's Robert Schmidt, he is a Yellow Ribbon uh, trainer, and he's one of our doctors that I've talked to um, that gave me all kinds of information. Uh, very, very smart uh, guy who's been doing Yellow Ribbon for 10 years in his community. And he was talking about this continuum of suicide and what he said was, you know, what happens is when kids are struggling, you know, they'll have the thoughts of depression, then they'll attempt, Then they come to the emergency room or the mental health. The mental health will assess them and say, you need treatment. And then what happens is that teen will not get treatment until three or four months later when they uh, get extremely depressed again. They make an attempt where they try to kill themselves. They come into the emergency room. They do an assessment. They say, you know, you really need to treat your depression and suicide. You need to come into mental health and work on it. They don't come in, you know, and so the continuum keeps going until one day they do actually die. The key is, is um, if somebody is coming in, they need to start the treatment. They need to actually work on their depression to overcome it.
1: Uh, in your opinion, Richard, do teenagers understand that death is final?
2: Not when they have uh, depression, because, again, the problem with the brain during depression is there really is not really about death. It's about dealing with the pain. So they're not really thinking about the consequences of death. they're really trying to deal with that pain and how to stop that pain and the, the and you know keep in mind that when uh, the serotonin is depleted in the brain, the brain is not working correctly it's it's uh, they're struggling to make sense of anything. so it's really not about um, that they understand about death. it's just that their brain is really hurting to where that 's their only alternative to stop that pain mm-hmm. it 's always about the pain and not so much about the death so yeah i don 't think they 're really looking at the death being long term they 're just focusing on the pain and how do i how do I end that pain
1: right, and I think that answers a question that a lot of people bring up is. Don't kids or people who decide to commit suicide think about how this is going to affect others once they're gone? And, again, I think that really kind of addresses that question. Right, yeah.
2: When, you know, when people get extremely depressed, and when I talk to uh, kids that have been at the very low, you know, their brain is telling them things that are really not true. Their brain is telling them that, you know, if I die tomorrow, nobody will know. And nothing good is happening in my life. And all this stuff, you know, all this stuff is just bad, bad, bad. Now, one of the things that we teach in the Yellow Ribbon is when you're working with somebody that is very suicidal, and and one thing that you can do to help them, and this is a, a therapeutic technique, is if you can have that person come up with three positive things that are happening in their life, and they have to come up with it, it will start to rewire that brain. And I've had that happen where a guy called me and he says I'm with this girl and all she talks about is she's wanting to die and I can't, and I can't get help for her and I'm, I'm sitting here with her and she's wanting to die and I don't know what to do. And I said, see if you can get her to come up with three positive things that are happening in her, in her life. And that will reduce the thought um, by 70 to 80% of suicide. Wow. If you can have them come up with three positive things. Another thing I wanna state is if you have somebody that has threatened suicide, and, and we talk about this in Yellow Ribbon, the first thing you need to do is do not leave that person alone. Even if you're not sure if they're suicidal, you need to stay with that person. If you stay with that person, they will be fine. People get in trouble when they're left alone. The second thing is let them talk, listen to them. And then third thing is get help. Whether that's called the suicide hotline number or call your local mental health number. Or even if you call the police, the police will come and help you with that person. But the big th- the big thing is do not leave them alone. Stay with them mm. uh, when they're in that in that depressive state.
1: Some great information. What other aspects of teenage suicide would you want their peers and, and parents to know about? If you're talking about the different aspects. and uh, Because obviously we've covered a lot of stuff here, a lot of great information, but yeah. some other thoughts you might have.
2: The, the biggest thing that I think for teens, well, definitely for parents, and we'll talk more about this in parents, but for teens, having depression is not something to be ashamed of. Um, so I, you know, I had a teen ask a question, actually at the last training I did, uh, and the question was like, so am I burdened with this forever? And, and the answer is no. And more so no is if you will embrace uh, your depression and really understand it and work with it. Depression can be very successful, but it's it's a lot of work. Um, and And sometimes it's not easy depending on where you are with your depression. If you start to see the first signs of depression, it's easier to fix than if you've attempted several times. The big issue is don't be afraid, one, to talk about it and to get the help to, to help with your depression. Again, it's 90% treatable. We, uh, we can help uh, people with depression if they would come in and get help. Uh, and we've helped a lot of people be successful with their depression. So.
1: the 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 one thing we talked about a little bit is just the whole idea of you know the mental health and being tabooed to, to get you know to get seek to seek help do you think that that sometimes too when we, we talked about you talked about school administrators kind of you know wanting to just brush it under the rug and not mm-hmm. talk about it are there pe- people that just because of it's like they don't want to deal with it that maybe turn a blind eye to it as well going, oh, I if think, i just if i don't think about it it'll go away right
2: yeah i think that happens a lot i think it happens with parents and schools so i think you know schools uh, do want don't want to don't want to admit that there's a problem and so and, and they and they see they, they assume that you know if we don't talk about it we don't deal with it it might not happen the problem is, is it's going to happen because uh, the statistics are alarming. You know, one of the things I think we need to look at is is in five years, suicide has risen by 31% between those ages of 13 and 18. And I talked to a psychiatrist about this. Uh, if it's risen by 31% in five years, what's going to happen in 10 years? Mm. Because it doesn't look like to me it's slowing down or we got a handle of it. So it's I think it's a point where every community is going to have to take this seriously and work on prevention of how can we help our kids that are struggling. Uh, If you're in a community and you honestly believe that you do not have a problem with suicide, then you're really scaring me because you obviously do not know the kids in your community. Again, the statistic is one in five. And in some communities, it could be one in four and one in three. But the high number of that is one in five kids are Mm. struggling with it in your community. So, and, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is if you had a suicide in your community, they estimate that you had 100 to 200 attempts in that community. Meaning for every one suicide, there was 100 kids that have attempted suicide that we don't know about. So it's something that every community needs to take seriously and start looking at it and create a plan of how we can help kids that are struggling with depression and suicide. One of the things that we do when we go into schools is create a protocol. I'm amazed at how many schools do not have a protocol for suicide. And it's because they don't know it exists and they never had to deal with it. But, you know, it's better to be preventative than it is to deal with the after effect. I mean, you want to make sure you have things in place when kids are struggling. Mm. So yeah, I, I do see that a lot, and I see parents that do that. They're like, well, you know, I have depression, I haven't died by suicide, so why would my kid die by suicide? And they need to keep in mind, the kid has a different brain than yours. Uh,
1: I would not only think different brain, but just just what you talked about with social media. They're, they're just bombarded with all these things going right, on yeah. that the parent, obviously, if they're not really on social media or affected by it, right, they're yeah. not experiencing that. Yeah. Wow. So, Richard, what other aspects of teenage suicide... Well, I guess we did kind of talk about that. The other aspects we've kind of covered some of those questions. But you talked about, and there's power in stories. And I know you shared some stories with us uh, before we went on the air. Some any other? As we, we're going to shift gears here b- very soon. But any other thoughts that you have, or things you want to share with some of the young people that may be listening, or anybody listening? For well, that um,
2: one of the things that I that I feel like that works in a community, and we kind of talked about this. Earlier is about Yellow Ribbon. You know, Yellow Ribbon was the first suicide prevention program to train teenagers uh, before it was even popular to train teenagers. It started in '94, uh, and actually, Yellow Ribbon is uh, celebrating their 25th anniversary. And the goal with Yellow Ribbon was we need to, and it was actually made just for teen suicide. Since then, there has been other programs that came out that copy what Yellow Ribbon does, which they're all great. But one of the things that we really like to do in a community is not only train the teens, but to get the teens involved. If you know the story about Yellow Ribbon and how it started was, Dell and Dar, when they lost their son to suicide, they were at home the next day, and these kids came over to see the family, and these three girls sat down with them, and they said, you know, what is it that we can do? What can we do uh, to help with this problem? And Dale and Dar at the time said, I don't, I don't know what you can do. Just please, if you ever... If you're ever at this lonely place, please do not think of suicide. Please go get help. And so one of the girls said, you know, I got it. It's, we'll put, it's okay to ask for help. Now, that message is being used all over the world. It's okay to ask for help. But to let you know, it was created by a girl in Colorado named Lisa who uh, came out with that. And so what Yellow Ribbon did is they uh, made 500 cards. They passed them out to everybody they knew. And within three weeks came of a girl in Wyoming, which was the next state over, that gave that card to her teacher who was thinking about suicide and was able to save her life. Since then, this program has been moved by teenagers all over the world. We have chapters now in all 50 states, and we are now in 47 countries around the world. We have youth groups or yellow ribbon groups in Africa, in Australia, uh, all over. And so one of the things that I push for schools to do is start a yellow ribbon teen group. That way, the kids will move this more so than the adults. They will find things to do in their community. They will create events. They are very passionate about suicide prevention. You give, and I've always said this, you give a kid a spark and they will light a fire. They will get this thing moving in your community. And they know what the problems are, especially after the training. They will tell me they believe the social media stuff. They believe that suicide is a major problem in their community because they have friends that are struggling. And they will create ideas of how to help both their friends that are struggling with depression. Um, One of the things that a teen group did was they did what they call the solo project. And what the solo project was is anybody that's in the lunchroom sitting alone, they're not allowed to sit alone. Three kids have to join them. So the goal of this school was nobody could ever eat lunch alone. You have to they have to be around somebody. And they made it like um, they made it part of their uh, program to make sure that no kid is eating alone at the lunchroom. So just stuff like that that they're doing and they're creating. I've had our local teen group called Talk did a video that has been played all over the nation. And we have other schools that are doing videos of suicide prevention. But, yeah, get the teens involved. Start a yellow ribbon group. And have them
1: move this for you, because they'll do amazing work. That's awesome to see the kids involved and really wanting to make a difference.
0: Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's One Body Stewarding God's Creation Show. If you would like to comment on today's show or have an idea for a future show, Please go to dvmercy.com and click on the one body icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. And folks, eternity is not seen, but neither are these airwaves. But if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. One body, one body, one
3: body, stood in God's creation.